from Los Angeles, California. This is the Writer's Strike Chronicles, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Monday, February 18th, 2008. In today's episode, I continue with a series of recordings made last week when the membership of the Writers Guild of America voted to lift the restraining order and end the strike while the proposed contract is pending ratification or rejection. Today, I meet with writers Karen Harris and Charles Haidt. We'll begin with Karen Harris. Here we go. I'm Karen Harris. I'm here to vote on the issue at hand and to also uh, vote proxies for about six other people. Oh, well, why proxy? Where are they? Three of them are out of the country. One of them has a, uh, are out of the, the state. One of them has a child, uh-huh. and the other two are trying to think about what they're going to do next. Okay. Karen, uh, how long have you been in the Guild? Since 1979. What got you in the Guild? I became a writer on The Incredible Hulk. <gasps> Okay. It was great. We were one of the, my partner and I, I worked with a partner then, and we were among the first women in action adventure, so that Yay. was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, uh, you were you remember 1988? Yes, I do. Can you please compare and contrast? My, I'm not that different. I was very pro-guild at the time, and I felt <clears throat> that we had issues that we had to fight for. It was tough. It was a long struggle. I was force majeure in the middle of it. Yeah, I was been at Universal for nine years, and I was um, I was uh, let go three weeks before the strike ended, and then I came out of the strike and got a job immediately. So I was very pleased about that. The difference is the rest is the unity of the guild. That's the big difference. In '88, there was such division, and we didn't have the internet as far as a as a communication method for membership. It's been brilliant. United Hollywood and and we, I belong to a BBS called Writer Action, which is uh, Writer's Guild members only, where we argue and fight and are able to learn and have our opinions change and affect change and influence each other. And, and it's been great. It's really, it's really given us a place to be where we can express our fears and our concerns without letting them eat us up from the inside out. You know, you get to be online, uh, on the Internet with your fellow writers and then you also get to um, come to the, the walk the line with your fellow writers. The, the relationships that were formed out of this have been astonishing. So you're attributing the unity to the internet? and the uh, No, I attribute the unity to staff okay. and leadership okay. and the negotiating committee and the fact that the internet has helped us stay connected to each other. Okay. The leadership brought us there and one of the things that's been so painful about the strike is hearing how the mainstream media has characterized our leadership as dysfunctional and insane and I mean God knows the things they've said these are some of the most reasonable people I've ever met and through what we're doing now and through podcasting and if you know the the connection to each other through the internet we are for the first time able to judge our leadership through our own eyes instead of through the eyes of the mainstream media who are not necessarily friendly why do you suppose the mainstream media is not getting the story right well they're getting the story that they want to get right they're not getting the real story they spin it i I, i'm just astonished i've done 
interview after interview after interview because I'm a, I'm the chair of the Writers Guild Daytime Committee. Oh, okay. Daytime Writers. I'm now I went from Action Adventure to okay. to Daytime, but I've done a lot. Every single one I've been. Spun a weird way, or I've been taken out of context, or I've been misquoted, and I've discovered that most of the mainstream journalists do not get their information right. They don't care. They write do a story about financial poor, and Michael Seepley in the in New York Times and uh, anybody can look it up. Did a story on daytime and financial poor, and had got everything wrong. He had no idea what financial core was. It's one of the most important aspects of guild membership, at, or of giving up your guild membership. It is a horrible thing to do. It's one step above scabbing. Yeah. And people do not, it doesn't, people don't take financial court because they have financial need. Yeah. They take it as an opportunity, uh, as opportunism, uh, as um, a narcissist, narcissism. It's not a financial need, but Michael Seepley made it sound like these people were going to lose their houses. They weren't. They could have gone and gotten loans from the guild. These were some of the richest people in daytime. A couple of the head writers who were afraid they were going to be force majeure. And so they abandoned their colleagues. They abandoned the strike and everything it stood for, and they went to work, and they oversaw entire staffs of scab writers. And just, I'm sure, are probably sleeping fine. And it's really been a blow. And it's very, very upsetting. And... It, it just more to me it was just an, a, a bad ethical choice and Michael Seepley did an article about it as though it was perfectly all right and he had it all wrong and so I mean that's a, it's a, a typical example back to mainstream media yes. for a minute what I was getting at is because members of the AMPTP also control oh, the news yeah, okay. yeah can you comment on that well that so uh, when I was saying that they spin the story they want to spin they work for Fox. They work for Tribune. They work for uh, uh, Turner or uh, Time Warner. It's very hard to find an independent voice in the mainstream media. I have to tell you, I was late coming to blogging and the internet and all that stuff. I thought, I was very concerned that anybody could do it and that there was no kind of standard that was... There isn't. There isn't. So you have to have the intelligence to sift through it and say, this is a nut bar and this person is smart and this person understands or did their homework. Uh, and once you accept that, then you can appreciate the value of just information. It's like, yeah. I like to watch C-SPAN because yeah. it's unfiltered. Yeah. I can see and hear what people are saying yeah. without anybody telling me what I'm supposed to think about it. And that's, if you learn how to do the blogs properly and you recognize people's credentials and you read them enough, then it, then they take on a whole different meaning. I think that's going to happen with the elections this year. I think yeah. the, that I think a whole lot more people, and maybe it's because I'm living in this little kind of bubble of the guild, so I've become more exposed to it, and the people I know have become more exposed to it, but I think we're probably going to count on the internet and, and those broadcasts a whole lot more for our information for the election. But I think citizens and consumers should always consider their source and always consider where they're getting in the information, whether it's mainstream media, whether it's citizen journalism. It's absolutely true. I mean, I just read an article that was that uh, was posted from uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. That was just horrendous. It was just horrendous. I thought if this person had picked up the phone and called me, I could have given them the correct information. But they make stuff up. They come up with it. 
what's interesting about journalism today is journalists come up with a concept, with an idea of what they think it is, and then they present it as fact. Like they say, so things like, um, TV's going to change now. What's happening is some of those shows that were on the bubble, they're going to be canceled, and it's going to put writers out of work as a result of the strike. And it was on a, a BBS I'm on, and I responded, I said, oh my, networks canceling shows that aren't successful and writers having to look for jobs. There's something we've never heard before. This happens every year, but yeah. they're trying to blame it on the strike. Yeah, yeah. So it's really silly. It's just be- I've just lost so much respect for mainstream media. I really have. Okay, let's talk about the internet for a minute. For a healthy democracy and for writers and artists and a tool of expression, what is the more powerful invention, legacy notwithstanding, the printing press or the internet? Well, at this point in its nascent years, I have to say the printing press. I'm sorry. That's fine. Why? I think the printing press because it was the first internet. That's why. Oh, it was the first internet. (laughs) Oh, you you threw me a curveball. Very good. You're a good writer. Okay. It was. Any it, was first, it was the first mass source of mass communication. So that was it. It set the standard, and then it dropped the standard, and now maybe the Internet can pick it up and run with it. Okay. Any advice for future generations, say 20 years from now, brothers and sisters on the line striking for some mysterious unknown technology that disrupts the business? Well, uh, having been in the Guild for th- almost 30 years now, wow. I did not know at the time how much I would make from residuals, although they had already won residuals in, uh, 10 years earlier. It's been huge. I didn't know how much... uh, I don't know how much the Internet is going to get us. All I know is that it's ours now. And um, we're not going to let it go. And one of the things I've been doing during the strike is creating a a pilot for the Internet. Oh, awesome. Uh, I don't know if you know about Strike TV. Yes, I do. I did a story on them. I'm doing a pilot for Strike TV. And it shoots uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after. And and here's the interesting thing. Well, I mean, not interesting... Interesting for me. Uh, this Sunday, I start teaching an online master class in soap writing. And next weekend, I shoot an, a, a show for the Internet, a pilot for the Internet. And meanwhile, my job is waiting for me, and I have to go back to work next week. So I'm very lucky that my paying job is there, but the stuff that I want to try and generate the future... Is I decided in this strike that I wasn't going to be a victim anymore. I wasn't going to be the victim of the multinational corporations. I was going to have a little bit of say in where my life goes. And while I'm thrilled to do what I do, I love writing my soap. I love having my job. I'm happy to have my health plan and my pension plan and to have a team of writers I work with. And I love the show. I work on General Hospital. And it's a great show. I also need to have a little bit of control over my own destiny. So where can people find you on the Internet? It'll be on Strike TV. It'll be on Strike TV, and the uh, writing is on a on a a a, um, an internet site called TVWriter.com. It's run by a guy named Larry Brody, who used to be in LA, and he now lives in Arkansas, and he runs it from Arkansas. That's the other nice thing about the internet is that is is that geographically it's it's irrelevant, but it's still connecting communities. Exactly. That doesn't matter where you live because you can still talk. So those are the two places where you can you know see what's going on. TVWriter.com has comedy classes, animation. There's a woman named Elizabeth Cozen who works on one of the procedural shows. She's teaching a course, a master class in procedural. And I'm doing their first ever master class in soap writing. Oh, that's awesome. So, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck. That was Karen Harris in front of the Writers Guild Theater. We'll conclude today's episode with Charles Height. Let's roll. 
Charles Height. Hi Charles, and we're in front of the uh, Writers Guild Theater today uh, to vote on whether to lift the strike. Yes. Uh, do you care to share with me how you decided to vote, or is that private? Uh, that's pretty private, I think. Okay, yeah. very good. How often have you been on the line? Oh, absolutely. Uh, mostly at Fox most days, except when I was ill. <laughs> oh, I think everybody's had that. I had that. Yeah, it's, you know, very frightening how long it gets you down for, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Can you share with me what happened on Saturday night? Uh, Saturday night was just an informational meeting to, uh, we had been sent the, uh, the bullet points of the deal. And just for clarification, it was a chance for the board to kind of gauge the temperature of the membership to see how they felt. Uh, because originally I believe it was the board who was going to decide. They had the authority to lift the strike without the membership, but they decided to put it in the hands of the membership. And also a chance for the membership to ask questions for clarification and express their views, you know, for or against the points of the contract. What kind of writing do you do? Mainly uh, television, hour, action, adventure. So what were you looking for in the... Co oh, science fiction. Yeah. So, okay, so what kind of things were you looking for in the contract? Well, I mean, basically what everybody else was looking for. Uh, two years ago, in 2005, um, I hadn't worked for about a year. It's in a very difficult financial position. I got a call from the Guild basically telling me I had a year's salary in residuals from a show I hadn't worked on in four years. And uh, so it, it, it really is important to me and on a very, you know, tangible level yeah. how residuals are going to be. I don't think anybody's going to lose or gain any fortunes in the next three years on this. People might see an extra thousand dollars or so here and there, but I think it's just to set the, uh, the template because who knows in five years, you know, with the technology, as soon as, uh, you know, internet streaming and the speeds and the, uh, the quality of the picture is up to HD, could very well be everything ships over to, uh, to internet. And, you know, by my calculations, uh, you know, if that happens, we'd be getting, with, with the deal we have in place today, we'd be getting about half the uh, price for the, uh, half of the salaries for the scripts that we're writing right now. But that's for what everything is in right now. If everything went to internet, if there was no more TV and everything was purely internet, I think your scripts would be basically, you know, worth about half as much as they are. Why is that? What's that? Why do you think that's Well, not because right now, I, again, internet is in such its infancy that in the next three years, it's not, that's not going to be a possibility. So I think it was just something to grow on and eventually, you know, as our minimums now have a gradual increase per year, I think that was the thought that by the time those increases catch up, you know, to the technology, you know, everything will be fairly priced. And and we'll have as much of a piece of the pie as we do now on uh, on television. Let's look forward to the future 20 years from now when your brothers and sisters may be striking again for some unnamed technology that disrupts the industry. Oh, absolutely. What and would you have to say to them? Uh, I would say basically, you know, do what we didn't get in on the ground floor. It may cost you right now, but... Uh, you know, you never know the benefits. You may be in my position, haven't worked for a year, and your show is being shown all over the world with box sets being sold, companies making millions, and you're not getting a penny for it. What show was this? Uh, it was called Relic Hunter. Oh, my God. Okay. okay yeah, okay. with Tia Carrera. Okay. And it had just shown an inordinate amount of times in Canada. What I didn't realize is that Canada counts as same as U.S. in terms of residuals. I thought it was a foreign residual. And they had been showing it like crazy. And I just, you know, again, it, was, it came right at the time that I needed it. So much for Runaway Production. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and then and the other thing is, you know that the below the line crews too I mean I'm really sorry that a lot of those people lost yeah. work and it was a difficult Christmas but more than half of their pension and their health care uh, is funded by residuals and you can imagine by the time like I said the, let's say you know by the time the internet comes over and takes over TV uh, had the companies gotten their way how would you like to pay $900 or $1,000 a month for health care for each member of your family because the residuals aren't supporting it anymore or not have or have a tenth of the pension you're looking forward to when you retire 
Okay, as we wrap this up, what is the more powerful invention for a healthy democracy and for artists and writers? Was a more powerful invention, legacy notwithstanding, standalone, the printing press or the internet? Well, the internet's a double-edged sword. Uh, I, I think that the internet provides, you know, more opportunities, but at the same time lowered the bar for quality in terms of film and music. I mean, somebody made the comment, which is very interesting, is right now you have 2,000 okay bands and no great ones, you know, where before, because there was so little opportunity, you really, really had to be great. And, you know, there are great bands in there, but you have to sift through. And same thing with, you know, the idea of doing a, a two-minute YouTube video with a grainy, you know, uh, camera and getting a $2 million deal at Warner Brothers and then wondering why that the, the movie's not doing well. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword, but like I said, then again, you know, there's a lot more opportunity for uh, for outlets and uh, for people to produce their own things, and I think the quality is going to go up in time. Parting shots? That's about it. You know, just looking forward to getting back to work. Even though I wasn't working before, I was on the cusp of getting into a series here and uh, getting a new agent. And uh, I don't even know if that agent's still at that agency anymore. But you know, okay. more opportunities, hopefully. Okay. Good luck to you. You have been listening to the Rider Strike Chronicle podcast, available for free through iTunes. For more information, visit us at www.strikechronicles.com. To contact us, please call 310-439-8754 or send us an email at info at strikechronicles.com.